Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. I'm Josh Roller, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Rob Peters. Rob, say hi to everyone. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? (laughs) Uh, You can't answer that, but I assume you all said good, or I hope you did. Awesome. We are (laughs) recording today from the warm vistas of Indiana and North Carolina, or at least I think it's warm in Indiana. It was it was all right. It was like fifty five today. I mean, it was, it was fifty five. Well, that's not bad for March then. So no, it's really not. It's all right. It's 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 livable. I mean, you can't go out in like a a t shirt yet, but you know, you don't have to wear a big coat. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. All right, we got some awesome stuff to talk to you about today. Some fun stuff. We got some racing calendar updates, driver comebacks, and announcements. And a lot of great racing from Phoenix Raceway. Rob and I, we texted back and forth a little bit. We seem to agree on most of what we saw. And uh, Robin and I are both just happy that you're spending the next hour or so with us. So we hope you enjoy. And with that said, let's go ahead and uh, give the show an official green flag and get started with Rob's racing with racing report. Rob, take it away. All right. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into the racing report today. So in terms of all of the news that has been going on in the world of racing, uh, no, I mean, it's it's a lot less chaotic than what we've seen uh, the past couple of weeks uh, off track, but we still do have some news that's affecting the racing world, and it's actually really affecting the whole world, but it's really affecting the racing world, and that's really all of the fallout and all the postponements and whatnot with the coronavirus. So I'll talk, we'll go ahead first. So uh, Formula One is scheduled to kick off, and IndyCar as well, are both scheduled to kick off this weekend. Uh, which will be extreme, which you know we've all been waiting for for a long time. But the second race of uh, the Formula One Championship at Bahrain will be run with no fans in attendance because of the cor- coronavirus outbreak. Uh, only race team personnel and accredited media will be allowed at the uh, Bahrain Grand Prix. Bahrain becomes the second 2020 Grand Prix affected by the coronavirus, as the Chinese Grand Prix had already been postponed pri- previously. Ticket sales had already been paused, and now ticket buyers are in the process of receiving a refund. Uh, and Formula One is also setting up uh, quarantine zones at uh, upcoming Grand Prix. Just crazy. And then not to mention all of the difficulties for Ferrari, considering the fact that Italy is essentially on complete lockdown right now. Nobody can get yeah. in or out of Italy. Well, I mean, you can, but it you're, you're, you're kind of quarantined in Italy. Um, it's, it's just a rough situation there. So, you know, wash your hands, everybody. Make sure you're washing your hands. Uh, if you weren't before, disgusting, gross. Seriously, wash your hands. Um, and then, in addition to that, we've got a second Formula E race that's been postponed. Uh, so, joining the Sanya E Prix, which was in China, now the Rome E Prix, uh, which was scheduled to take place on April fourth, is been has been postponed. Um, the series said in a statement that, as a consequence of ongoing health emergency in Italy, uh, and according to the previous provisions set out in the ministerial decree concerning measures to counteract and contain the spread of COVID-19, I should call it just the coronavirus because that's what everybody colloquially knows it as, uh, in the country, which includes sporting events with large crowds and spectators in close proximity, proximity, it will no longer be possible to stage the Rome E-Prix on April 4th, 2020. Um, And then, in addition to that, this was late-breaking news from today. MotoGP announced, again, that we've got another race that will be postponed, the... uh, uh, MotoGP race at Austin in the Circuit of the Americas will not take place uh, on 
later this month. In fact, it will take place later this year in November. It's been postponed that far away in advance. So really the whole – I mean of all of the things that are being affected by this, it's very surprising just how impacted I I could see uh, racing being impacted. I really didn't expect much of it because I figured, you know, racing is a very, very much a show must go on type deal. You know, with money usually has already been spent and, it ne- and races need to be run. Um, I'm just surprised that it's affecting it. Obviously, the Bahrain Grand Prix going on without fans in attendance really wasn't much of a surprise to me. I feel like that's really what we should be doing. Obviously, holding an EPRI in Rome and in China and Grand Prix in China is, is kind of silly at the current moment because of just how both countries are being affected by the virus. But overall, I, you know, I just feel like if the racing should be a show must go on type of thing. So what they did in Bahrain is probably what should be done, especially if, you know, other things start to get affected by it. Uh, so uh, moving along, uh, we've got Chandler Smith re- returning to Kyle Busch Motorsports in an eighth ra- eight race stint. And the number 51 beginning at Richmond Wasteway on April 15th. Familiar KBM sponsor JBL will be sponsoring him. His remaining seven races will be at Dover, Michigan, Gateway, Bristol, Las Vegas, Talladega, and Phoenix. Uh, the first 2020 NASCAR silly season domino to fall is Ryan Blaney, who signed a multi-year extension with Team Penske and will be with the captain's racing empire for the foreseeable future. Blaney has essentially been with Team Penske since 2012 when he began driving for Brad Keselowski Racing uh, in the Truck Series and Team Penske in the Xfinity Series. Um, Further note on to that, there was some uh, question about Brad Keselowski's future with uh, Penske Racing. Uh, it, nothing has been announced yet on that front. Looks like, I mean, his contract's up the end of the year, so, you know, they're looking at potentially getting him signed back locked out. But uh, Keselowski said, you know, he's not closing any doors. If somebody offers him a better deal than what he's got now, he's open to talking. And, you know, some people are, of course, pointing at him to be the next driver of the 48 get rick hendrick gets him back uh chevrolet gets him back you know all those things happen um do i see that happening no i think i think he's he'll be happy with roger penske but considering the fact that his two teammates are doing a heck of a lot better right now and it all happened after the crew chief swaps maybe something's playing into that i don't know i'm not going to speculate but that could be weighing on his mind a little bit um maybe one of the provisions of getting a new uh contract is whether or not uh you could find a good crew chief that he meshes with just as well as he did with Paul Wolf. Who knows? I don't know. Not going to speculate. Don't just don't quote me on that. Just, you know, throwing stuff at a wall, seeing what sticks right now. Uh, f- following the failure to pass anti-F1 edu- legislation last month, F1 CEO and executive chairman Chase Carey, mustache guy, uh, shared on an, an earnings call that uh, Miami, the Miami Grand Prix at Hard Rock Stadium is progressing towards reality. Racers Chris Medlin shared that Carey said, we are, quote, we are thrilled with the process in in the last few weeks in Miami as we have come closer to finalizing the that potential tentpole event on future calendars. We're excited to partner with the NFL Miami Dolphins to bring a world-class event to the region and our second race in the U.S. So despite a legal challenge, carry and F1 feel positive about adding Miami to the 2021 schedule. So we will see how that goes. Will they actually expand it to another date or is another track getting the cut? I don't know. Uh, and final pieces of news here, both concerning IndyCar, both concerning Carlin, uh, Carlin, uh, racing Connor Daly will contest the full IndyCar schedule with the announcement that he will drive the number 59 on the ovals, except for the Indy 500 for Carlin racing. 
much like he did last season. So Max Chilton, you know, he he put out a story that was quite 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 interesting. Uh, he had an interview where you know he kind of just described, you know, I love the Indy 500 and I always want to drive the Indy 500, but it, it, because he feels like that's special, you know, that's a special race. I want to win that. You know, as a race car driver, you always want to win Indianapolis. That's one of your goals. But he kind of just said, but on the other ovals, you know, it, it, there's almost no point to them. You know, he's out there. He doesn't enjoy it. It's not having fun. He's not really, you know, in. he's not really the best on ovals either. He's better on road courses, and he'll admit that, even though I think he's better on ovals, but that's where he sees it. Um, so, you know, he he's just, like, not interested in doing ovals, and I, I totally understand that. And I mean, I think, I think it speaks to his character, too, that he still wants to do the Indy 500. Like, he's not saying, I hate ovals. He's just saying, Indy is the only one that I actually have fun at, you know? And, I, I, and, you know, I think if you're at that point where in your, in your career, where if you're not having fun, and really at all, if you're not having fun doing what you're doing, then you shouldn't be doing it, you know? And that doesn't matter uh, in racing. That matters in life. You know, if you're doing something that you're not having fun doing, why do it? So I don't really blame him on that one. So Connor Daly is going to take over for all those other ovals. Uh, even the short, I mean, what, the one super speedway is Texas and the rest are short tracks? Who cares, whatever. Andy Carr will fix that later, I hope. Uh, Penske better. Uh, and then who will be teammates to uh, Daly and Chilton? It will be Felipe Nasser. Felipe Nasser, the former Formula 1 driver. He's been doing some time in sports cars and over here in America, actually. Uh, so the Brazilian will contest the full IndyCar season in the second Carlin racing car. So that was announced today. Uh, so that's all for Rob's racing report. And I think that's just about all the news that happened this week. It was kind of a lighter, lighter news week than, than in the past, but uh, still some pretty interesting nuggets that came out of uh, the grapevine tonight. So Josh, I think we should move on Yeah, and talk about our featured paint scheme. Let's do it. And this, uh, this week we're doing the, 2002 Formula One season's been a while since we did an F1 uh, featured paint scheme, and I like your choice, and I really like my choice. So, Rob, why don't you go ahead and share everyone uh, who you picked? Yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. So, uh, I have picked the Williams FW24. Um, I've always liked this one specifically. I mean, in terms of 2002, good lord, the competition was just terrible, and I'll explain that a little bit later, but. Um, it was a relatively successful car. Uh, the compact sponsor Blue and White Car finished second in the Constructors' Championship. Drivers from Pablo Montoya and Ralph Schumacher saw a fair share of podiums this year, but only Ralph was actually able to win a Grand Prix when he won the Malaysian Grand Prix. Uh, so considering, so here's here's why I talk about this is because uh, 2002 is notoriously known to be one of uh, uh, quite possibly the least competitive season in Formula One. Um, Ferrari won all but two Grand Prix. Michael Schumacher winning the majority of them. And in fact, Michael Schumacher never finished off the podium. He finished first or second in all of the races except one where he finished third. Uh, Rubens Barrichello didn't have as good of luck, but was still winning Grand Prix. And of course, uh, Austria, whatever, whatever happened in Austria. And then whatever the heck happened at the U.S. Grand Prix that year, both were just Ferrari just playing, playing games with us all just... Not really stuff anybody likes to see. If you don't, if you're not familiar with that, at the Australian Grand Prix or Austrian Grand Prix, excuse me, um, Rubens Barrichello was asked to pull over for Michael Schumacher to win the Grand Prix, and Michael was angry about that. Michael was like, "No, Rubens outdrove me. What, what the heck are you guys doing? I didn't ask for this." And Ferrari was like, 
oh, but we want you to win the championship. And Michael was like, Rubens drove a better race than I did. Why can't he win the race? He won that race fair and square. So Rubens ended up, you know, insisting, or excuse me, Michael ended up insisting that Rubens take the top step of the podium. And uh, F1, F1 didn't like that. The FIA did not like that. They actually fined Michael for doing that. Uh, but he didn't feel he won the race. He, he, he felt that he didn't win the race. And as a result, and I don't know if this was getting back at Ferrari or if this was just because the championship was had been over for several months by, at this point, but at the U.S. Grand Prix, they essentially staged a, a, a close finish where Rubens won the race and Michael finished second. And Michael felt that that was his way of making it up to Rubens. How is that giving it, making it up to Rubens when he basically pulled over and let Rubens beat him to the line in a photo fin in a manufactured photo finish? I mean, the one two thousand two was weird, man. It was very weird. Uh, but yeah, so Ralph Schumacher won the Malaysian Grand Prix, and then David Coulthard won the Monaco Grand Prix, and that was it. Everything else was won by Ferrari. So for Williams to finish second in the constructors' championship, that must have meant they were the best of the, everybody else. I mean, Ferrari wasn't on a whole other level, but if Ferrari wasn't in there. It would have been Williams that was the uh, top team that year. So that's why I picked that because in, in uh, I'm sure in some other world where the uh, Ferrari uh, car of 2002 just is terrible, Williams is the Williams wins everything. And I'm sure either Juan or Ralph has a champ, world driver's championship. So, Josh, who's your pick? I'm curious. Even though I already yeah, know, going, but I'm sure other people are curious is what I meant. <laughs> I'm going with the uh, Jaguar R3 for Jaguar Racing F1 team. Uh, the car was half white, half metallic green. I love that metallic um, And the rims were painted this bronze color. Uh, it, I, I definitely like the look of green and white race cars. I mean, I, I am kind of partial to that. So, um, you know, Chase Elliott's car this past weekend in Phoenix was pretty good looking to me. I know that's probably not everyone's favorite, but I do like that. Uh, but I do like them when they're done right. And the rims left something to be kind of desired, in my opinion. You know, I thought it would be good if they had, like, red. Like, it would have been really neat, especially with their uh, Beck's uh, sponsorship that year as well, uh, part of their sponsorship. Uh, and, and in general, it it was also just left something to be desired as well. Um, it was subpar. Uh, they had their two drivers, Eddie Irvine and, and Pedro De La Rosa, each started all 17 Grand Prix, but had a total of 19 retirements. So, out of 34 entries, 19 retirements. That's that's not good. Um, Irvine scored all of Jaguars' eight total points uh, with points finishes at Australia, Belgium, and Italy. At the Italian Grand Prix, Irvine, uh, Irvine uh, collected his best finish of third, so podium. Uh, and uh, De La Rosa's best finish was a pair of eighth-place finishes at Australia and Brazil in Jaguar. Uh, Jaguar finished seventh of the 11th, 11 constructors. So not a great season for sure. And you mentioned all the uncompetitiveness that went on. So I won't preach on that anymore, but yeah, that was good, really good, good, good information. <laughs> it was, it was good information. I mean, if I actually, I don't know if I'll ever, I'd ever voluntarily watch a, a, an old race from 2002. <laughs> No, I mean, you could just point your finger down and randomly select one. You're probably going to land on a Ferrari victory. Oh, like yeah. you said. I mean, the, the, the odds are, are quite literally 2-17. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. So. Definitely. 
All right, so let's move on here to this uh, to this week's race winners. Let's start. They're all three of the races we had were were in Phoenix. Nice so the Arkham Menard Series General Tire One Fifty. Chandler Smith wins for Venturini Motorsports. So if you watch the first 140 laps, you're thinking, uh, what are you talking about? But yes, that, that he did win. Chandler Smith did win in the inaugural trip for the Arkham Menards Series uh, to Phoenix Raceway. It's Smith's eighth career victory in his 21st start. Um, a two-tire pit stop compared to Ty Gibbs and Michael Self, who pitted for four, and then a late race caution with... People playing games essentially made it a one-lap shootout, and that really helped Smith win. Um, we'll talk about that a little while later here. Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the LS Tractor 200. Brandon Jones wins for JGR in his second career victory. It is the 500th win for Toyota in the three national NASCAR Series divisions, and uh, so that's a pretty good name to be stamped on there, particularly when you thought it was going to be Kyle Busch. So... Um, while multiple, uh, this is a really interesting note I found. While multiple Xfinity Series seasons have opened uh, the first four races of the year with four different race winners, never in the history of the Xfinity Series have four Xfinity Series regulars who also weren't racing full time in Cup Series won the first four races. So there you go. Noah Gregson, Chase Briscoe, Harrison Burton, and now Brandon Jones have made history. Congratulations oh. to those guys. And the NASCAR Cup Series, Fan Shield 500, Joey Logano of Team Penske won that race. It's Team Penske's third win at Phoenix, Logano's 25th career victory, which makes him one of 35 drivers in NASCAR Cup Series history to achieve 25 victories. So that was this race, uh, this weekend's race winners. And let's talk about the top takeaways. Uh, Rob, one of the things I noticed for the ARCA race was they had multiple numbers. Uh, they had you had two fours two twelves and two seventeens did that confuse you at all uh no not really that's good that's good i I was kind of confused there for a moment i was i I can't really say it confused me all that much uh it it made it made sense (laughs) i mean when you have the same numbers but then you also have like letters next to them it's still pretty easy to tell them apart because they have that like in 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 sprint car racing um, and in short track racing. So, I mean, it's not, it's not new for it. I mean, it's new for NASCAR, but it's, it's not necessarily new. If you've like watched other types of racing, if you get my drift. Yeah. The 17 is the one that really threw me off. And then I realized right before the green, you had uh, Chase Cabre in the, in the four, and then obviously Haley Deegan in the main four there. So, um, Michael self rebounded, had an up and down day a couple times there, finished the second. So keeps his championship start. Going well. Um, Sam Mayer uh, didn't have the best car, had a top five car, but he ends up saying, I, I said we brought the wrong engine this weekend, and he was talking about, I told my, my crew that. What did you think about Sam kind of on national TV calling out his, his team like that? Did, were you shocked by that? Uh, a little bit. That's not exactly something that you hear very often. Uh, you don't exactly hear somebody criticize their team so publicly and call them out like that. Usually when that happens, it's, it doesn't usually end well. I I was surprised not, I, I'm going to modify what you said. I was surprised that a young driver said that, you know, this is Kevin Harvick who has had the right to sometimes complain about his mm-hmm. pit crew. 
a few times over the past half well, decade. Thought, you know, to hold it's 2014, it's amazing he still won the championship when his pit crew was basically like picking their nose every pit stop, it seemed. Yeah, so I just it was just surprised that this this teenager called him out. That's what I, that was what surprised me. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't know enough to know if it's going to go over well or not. But I mean, that's something I think you would say for the garage area. To say, look, was this going to happen or was this was I right? Discuss that privately before you talk about it. I mean, sometimes um, the eleven to go restart. Moment. You had drivers challenging race officials for the running order. Oh gosh, what a disaster! That that shaved off three laps right there. Um, my thought was that okay, one we we either have a little bit of confusion from the way the modified pit stops worked, which we will slightly talk about later in the next segment here, um, or we had spotters gaming the system. And I really, I wish I had, I wish I had a a, a radio where I could have listened to these guys and, and, and flip back and forth the cars who were challenging to say, okay, who's, who's genuinely confused, if any, and who is gaming the system, if any. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, and I have a feeling if I were to, to flip a coin five times that, uh, fate's going to tell me, Hey, four out of five of those cars were, were gaming the system. What, what were your thoughts on that? That whole situation? I mean, I, I'm not, you know, necessarily going to deny that I think that some people were gaming the system, but I also think that some people were genuinely just not sure where to line up, and that could fall on race control not being clear enough, who knows. Uh, but, oh, good gracious, it, it never looks good when you're burning laps under caution trying to uh, figure out where, the, where, where cars are supposed to line up. I mean, that should be something that is very cut and dry, you know. You line up where you came off pit road or where you were when the time the caution flag flew. You know, just just line, just just get behind somebody. Like, you don't have to be in through here and saying, no, I was here, I was here. It's like, no, that's how you get black flag. That's how people are be, that get mad at you. That's how we waste time. I mean, it doesn't look good for the... Uh, for the series and for the sport. And it annoys the fans because the fans are waiting here for a restart. Even if they are game in the system, that's kind of a cheap thing to do. I mean, come on, just let's go. Let's go. Let's get the race started because nobody wants to just sit around and waste time under caution. I mean, and then if you do, well, I, I don't know what kind of racing you like. <laughs> yeah, agreed. All right, and then the last kind of two points here for the ARCA race at uh, Ty Gibbs dominates Chandler Smith steals the the win late and it all like I mentioned earlier came down to that pit choice you know what what they did and Ty Gibbs said he really couldn't say what he wanted to say because he was so frustrated um after the after the race and the post race interview and uh, I I thought I don't know what he was more first about that he lost a race that he clearly was the best car. And I, I mean, he had the commentators were saying Michael self could go up there and challenge. I don't think he could have, I think the 18 car was too fast or was he frustrated that he was denied the opportunity to get the win when he clearly could restart very well because of the shenanigans that were pulled by what we were just talking about. Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like, 
I thought he could have handled the interview a little bit more, a little bit more grace in my opinion, but I definitely, if I was in his position, I would have been frustrated by the shenanigans of my fellow competitors. No. Yeah, I totally, I'm, I'm in complete and full agreement with you on that one. I mean, that's, it's just infuriating when you have to deal with something like that. That's not, I, I'm, I don't blame Ty Gibbs. I can't blame Ty Gibbs really. Yeah. All right, so the Xfinity Series got a couple points here with uh, Ross Chastain. I don't think he has he ran a clean race at all this year. It's just been a race know, weekend because he had a he had a decently fast car. All right, don't think he had a race winning car, but then he had that power steering issue. And then how many wrecks did Ross Chastain avoid on Saturday? And he still comes up and Infinite gets top ten. You know what I've thought? I've always figured. You know, I think I think Ross Chastain. Is he's got a really good he's he's in really good equipment now, you know he's obviously I mean he's in uh, really good Xfinity equipment and he has an opportunity to really show what he's capable of, but I think he's just putting so much pressure on himself to perform. You know I think we saw I think I saw that in the Daytona 500 he was kind of laid back and then he went when he needed to, and I think he just puts a little bit too much pressure on himself when he when he doesn't need to. You just got to take things. A lot easier. Guys, I mean, we all know what Ross is capable of. I think every fan, we know what Ross can do. We know he's a good driver. We know he's capable of winning races. We know he could win a championship if he wanted to, especially in this playoff format. But he doesn't need to be so hard on himself. I think he made a lot of mistakes this weekend because I think he's just making his life more difficult than it needs to be. I think if he just relaxed and just said, all right, Every time I'm out here in the cup race, every time I'm in a truck, you know, I need to just be whatever. You know, I need to be relaxed. I need to be focused. And when I'm behind the wheel of an Xfinity car, I need to be like, yeah, I'm going to win this thing. You know, you got to have an attitude of I'm going to win this thing. And no, I'm, I'm going to bring I'm going to bring home the checkered flag of the steering wheel. You know, have one of those kind of mindsets. Change your mindset. You know, I mean, he's he's got a whole season still to go. But right now, is you don't really want to get off to a bad start. You got to just kind of take it easy, take it easy, take it slow. I don't know. That's how I feel. Josh, do you feel like that's what Ross is doing? Because that's I didn't really fault him on having a rough weekend. I mean, yeah, you could say he had a kind of a rough weekend, but I still didn't necessarily fault him on on that. I think he's just he's just going and learning, you know. Especially taking over the six, he's in a really really good car. He has a chance to perform. Doesn't need to be putting pressure on himself. He just needs to go out there and get laps for the team and get good feedback for Ryan when he comes back. Yeah, I think in the Xfinity side, it's just been just some bad luck, you know, and, and maybe it's little little mistakes here and there. Um, also, they had the issue at Daytona, not making the field, has to go drive, you know, buy his ride into the into the race, um, which somewhat worked out for him. Uh, at the end, he had a penalty at Las Vegas, had the incident at uh, Fontana with Noah Gregson, still, again, rebounds to a good finish, and then has power steering issue, overcomes that in the Xfinity race. In the cup side, you know, you, you say putting pressure on, you know, I just think he, he – he, take a step back. You know, Ross, I love Ross for – and, and you, anyone on the, who's listened to this and anyone who's talked to me can probably say I'm a, I'm a Ross Chastain homer, but I, I really believe the guy – and his driving ability, and if he can get in the right spot, and I think he's in the right spot in the Xfinity Series right now, if he can get the right spot in the Cup, then he can do great things. Um, but he just needs to, like, okay, instead of going all out this this weekend, I'm going to take a step back. You know, I'm going to 
I'm not going to, I'm going to push hard, but I'm not going to push as hard as I can. And, you know, you, you call it putting some pressure on yourself. I call it overdriving. And if he can do that and, and, and not just not make that little mistake, like at Las Vegas, you know, he, he, he spun out, had a tire issue there. And, and then he spun out here kind of trying to avoid running again. He's just going super hard. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he just take a step back. Maybe take a little pressure off himself. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, for the next one in the uh, in, in the Xfinity series, you know, cautions didn't fall for the maybe the best car, Justin Allgaier, because um, he just him and his crew chief decided we're going to stay out here and we're going to wait for these tires for everyone else to go for about 20, 25 laps, get another caution, and then pit. But the problem was caution after two laps, caution after three laps, caution on on the next lap, and there's. Like I, we're not, it's not going to work out, and we're not going to get this caution maybe that we need to come later. And it didn't once they all got going. Um, that was. Did you like the call to to stay out and wait for a caution later? Did you Did you like that call? It was a gamble. It's not necessarily a call I would have made, but I mean, I can't necessarily say I disagree with it. Do you think? I, I think all guy will come back here in November. For the championship four race, if he's in that championship four, I'm going to be. Yeah, I mean, there's always something different. There's all one of the uh, upsides, I think, for Cup cars and Cup series, and not just Cup, but NASCAR in general, having certain tracks have two dates is that you know the first date is usually in the spring, most of the time. Most first dates are in the first part of the season when you know points aren't huge right right now i mean you're not thinking a whole ton about points you're thinking about just trying to dial things in for the for when points really do matter obviously you want to gain as many points as you can you want to be points racing at all times you want to be trying to get maximize your points but at the same time you also are just kind of going in things and learning that first time and then you come back in the second time especially this race being the the finale you just kind of want to learn and i think one of the positives one of the reasons I think we saw a lot of kind of that experimenting and learning at Phoenix is because when we come back here in November, we're going to be crowning a champion here. And that's the mm-hmm. first time that's happened since we crowned the champion in Atlanta that we've gone to a track tw- that, that's hosted the championship twice. So when we, back in 2001, when we went to Atlanta, we went to, you went to Atlanta uh, in the spring, usually in March. Technically, then, it was New Hampshire because of the delay that okay. year. Technically, it wasn't here, but New Hampshire did. still t- still counts too. Yeah, you still went to New Hampshire earlier in that year. You went, it, yeah, you went there in the summer, uh, at, at least in two thousand one. You did, so that was even then still it still counts. I mean, it still counts. To to my point, so but you're yeah. right, you're right, you're right. Technically, on the history part, but it still counts to my point. Just didn't want you to get railroaded on social media about <laughs> hold on, dude. I get it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. But yeah, so I think guys, you know. All guy are doing that. It, it was a, the, the reason why I can't disagree with it is because you need to figure out what you're going to have or what you can do on tires when you come back here later, exactly. and you might have a, a situation very similar to this one, and you need to decide. All right, well, what can I do? Well, now Justin Allgaier knows. Okay, well, if I have a fast car and there's a late race caution, I'm coming in and getting tires, and then I'm going to go to the front. And that that's all you need to to worry about at that point. Then you already know how that rate how you're going to set up for the race in that situation because you've already done it before you've already done that trial and everything 
And, you know, when there's two options or, I mean, there could be multiple options, but when you look at it from a black and white or standpoint and very broad, paint things with a very broad brush, uh, you kind of see that, okay, well, there's, there's two options here that we could take. We took one option. It didn't work. Now we'll try the other option, which most likely will work when we come back and that's taken tires. Yeah. Well, and I like that the experiment you brought that up. I'm not going to talk about that anymore because you basically nailed it home there. You know, we're going to come <laughs> back here a second time for 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 the finale. And the last part here for the uh, Xfinity series, Bruno Brandon Jones shows that Kyle Busch can indeed be passed for a win um, outside of the Cup series, and um, then Harrison Burton went and passed him for second, and he finishes third. Um, here's one thing I thought about: um, we've seen a different Brandon Jones since he won at Kansas last fall and you stick with me here you know he last year he had one full-time teammate in christopher bell and christopher bell i think is one of those guys it's just kind of a a once in every generation not every few year kind of talent we're not going to see a guy who can race like he can in, in dirt and pavement i'm sure anywhere he goes he would succeed okay so that's kind of tough to measure up against yourself like that but now but now Brandon Jones has two full-time teammates in Harrison Burton and Riley Herbst, who I would classify as the sub-generation after him. And he is still in an Xfinity car. So he needs to kind of step it up a little bit. He goes, if I, don't, if I can't beat the guys who are in the sub-generation after me, because I would think Bell and him are about in the same sub-generation, all right? Uh, Brandon Jones and Christopher Bell, that is. And then Harrison Burton and Riley Herbst, now teammates are in the sub-generation after. Um, he's got to win. He's got to prove, like, I'm worthy of moving forward because now i got these two young guys who are going to – Harrison Burton already won, has already won. You know, what his 11th or 12th start, he's won a race. It took Brandon Jones his fourth year to do that. So he needs to step up his game and prove, hey, I am the senior leader – at, in the Xfinity garage for Joe Gibbs Racing, and I can win races and I can compete for a championship. So he took his kind of a step forward, and he, they, I think I saw Giant Killer uh, Brandon Jones on, 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 as a headline. And I'm like, huh, I'm not sure how I, if I, that's how I would have put it, but you know what? I like it because he kind of brought down a guy who's almost won 100 races in that series. Good for him. And, he's, and now he's got himself locked into the playoffs. Uh, Rob, your thoughts? Well, you know, I think what you're saying here is 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 interesting because if anything that's kind of, to me, I feel like that makes it almost worse for Brandon Jones is that you know, he was able to win one at Kansas, but throughout the whole time when, you know, his teammates were winning races, he was not. I mean, for the majority of the time when his teammates were winning races, he was not. Now all of a sudden, the competition level in the Xfinity series has gone from having a big 3 that is really hard to beat to now kind of being up in the air. And really, it's, it's, it's un, almost unpredictable who's going to win each week. Yeah. You know, it could be Chase Briscoe. It could be Brandon Jones. It could be Harrison Burton. I mean, we've seen, it could be Noah Gregson. I mean, who knows? Maybe Ryan Sieg will notch one this year. I, I don't know. It's really all up in the air of what you, of who's going where. And I think, for Brandon Jones, that's not exactly a good thing because you don't want to suddenly start winning races as soon as your most your you know most of your com competition is is out of there. I mean, there's an old thing, you know, 
if you've ever watched, and, and I'll use this as an example, um, if you've ever watched, ever watched the uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. on Joe Rogan's podcast, which is really, really interesting if you haven't seen it yet, but he talks about some of the things his dad talked about, and one of them was uh, whenever Dale Jr. would go out and he would win a late model race, Dale, Dale Sr., we wouldn't be super proud of him because he would just ask, oh, I guarantee you so-and-so wasn't in the race, you know? And sure enough, that was the case. That's why Junior won was because so-and-so wasn't in the race. And that's kind of the same issue here as well. You you know, yeah, it's great. Brandon Jones winning, but Christopher Bell's not in the race, you know? You know, Tyler Reddick wasn't in the race. You know, Kyle Busch was in the race, and he did pass him, which kind of puts him on a totally different level than kind of maybe what, what other people might be saying. Because passing Kyle Busch is not an easy thing to do. But, I mean, Daniel Suarez did it. Uh, and beating Kyle Busch in the Xfinity Series is not an easy thing to do. Um, but usually the best drivers do end up beating him at some point. So I think, and as we've seen this year in the cup side, the rookies are struggling. You don't really have a clear-cut winner for Rookie of the Year yet. I mean, I might have pre prematurely determined Tyler Reddick to be that. But I don't really know. that Things could change. I'm just saying it doesn't look good. I mean, I'm not going to try and disparage Brandon Jones, but I'm just saying it doesn't look good by comparison. I think it really, he should have been winning a lot sooner than than now. You know what I mean? Oh, wait, I agree. I Oh, I do agree. All right, so let's move on to the cup here. Um, Kind of hit some of the big bullet points here, and then we'll have our little discussion of what we think. So you had passing all over the track on restart. It was super exciting um, to watch. Really, for the first few laps, and just seeing how everyone was using the whether it's fresh tires or trying to take advantage of guys in front of them having older tires was really fun. Uh, Fox points out that 25 laps in, lap times have fallen had fallen off one whole second due to tire wear. That's awesome. Good. Uh, cars are loose on corner exit. I loved it. I love that. Like, how many times did did Fox show someone getting loose off of the exit of turn two, old turn four, and how many cars did we? not see that did that exact same thing i loved it um then tyler reddick i mean guy was running second he was running where his sponsor was telling him to run Mm -hmm. so um good run for him disappointing day at the end of the day and uh you know chase elliott recovered from having his uh loose wheel uh really kind of had some good lucky breaks there going up through the field and, and catching uh lap traffic at a good time and the leaders weren't uh, and then Ryan Blaney just can't catch a break. Um, with, you know, we look at the Daytona, just had that the unfortunate incident there. Won't go too much further than that. Las Vegas, bad pit call. Might have won that race still. And then Fontana, three laps to go, has to pit with a wearing too worn out tire. R- Rob, what was your opinion and thoughts of the cup race on Sunday? I was really good. I was really, really entertained. Uh, and that's not something that I've been able to say about a NASCAR race for a while. Um, of course, I feel like I say that every week for some reason. Now, maybe maybe I have been more entertained than I remember. But I thought it was a really good race. Um, I felt like the cars were much closer together. Passing was easier. I think that small spoiler really, really helped. It, 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 it was incredible. Steve O'Donnell liked it. Kevin Harvick said, you know, I wish I could have that fun every week. I wish it could be like that every week. And. I do too. I wish we could have a race that was that fun every week. Yeah. Uh, you know, where we're, we're seeing lots of passing. We're seeing guys, you know, have to kind of put the bumper to somebody else to get the pass. We're seeing 
crazy restarts. We're seeing, you know, all that stuff. I mean, that is fun. I mean, it looks like it's fun from behind the wheel, and it's fun to watch as uh, a fan and as a spectator. I thought, you know, Sunday's race was really, really enjoyable. Joey Logano won. I mean, good for him. Ryan Blaney obviously having the, the rough. I mean, he lost his points lead. I mean, he dropped from, what, like first to sixth or something uh, in the point standings on Sunday, which was really, which really even makes things worse. I mean, it just adds insult to injury. I mean, you le- you're sitting here, you're leading the points, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you have two bad races, two bad finishes back-to-back. Not really bad races, but just two bad finishes back-to-back. And it's just over. I mean, mm-hmm. I, mean I, c- I couldn't say he had the bad race back-to-back because he did have a really good race at Fontana. It's just he didn't have a good finish. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference. You can have a good race and not have a good finish. Uh, and But here, he just didn't have a good race and or a good finish because he crashed. Uh, but you know, overall, I thought it was a really, really good race. I think it's very positive. And we'll have to see where this goes because I'm not sure. I like this. I like kind of what NASCAR's doing. Definitely the package has gotten a lot better. We'll have to see if they're able to put together something that's very similar to this uh, for the next-gen car because, you know, with every new generation of car, of course, I'm always worried, how is it going to race? How is it going to race? I was worried about the Gen 6 when it came out. How is it going to race? I was worried about the car of tomorrow when it came out. How is it going to race? And now I'm worried about this new new car how is it going to race we need to make sure that the i mean i understand technology and safety is all important but we can't be forgetting how is it going to race if the drivers can't drive it well i mean that's the thing a lot of people have been complaining i think on twitter and facebook and all these other places about you know why are we having all these young drivers test the car you know why don't we have any uh, older drivers why don't we have any veterans test the car like why is kevin harvick not out there testing the car why is kyle bush not out there testing the car of course clint boyer is now testing the car finally but why did it take us so long to get to clint boyer why did we have to go through austin dillon and william byron and guys who haven't been racing who haven't raced multiple different types of car you know clint boyer is somebody who started racing the car of yesterday moved up to the car of tomorrow and then gen six you know why can't we have somebody like that who has a lot more of things that he could compare it to. So, you know, that's kind of why I'm what where I'm thinking of that way. Seems positive. I'm happy with it though. I think it'll make for a very good finale race. I was very skeptical at first because I still felt like Homestead was the perfect place to hose house a finale race. It's a perfect racetrack. It's a perfect oval. The racing is really good. There's multiple grooves. I mean, and it's a perfect setting and, and backdrop, but and I was worried. I was like, man, Phoenix, I just, it hasn't put on that great of shows. It hasn't been really easy to pass there the last couple of seasons. And even with the, the whole, they call it a reconfiguration, but it's, it's really not. All they really did was move the start finish line and then move where the grandstands were. Atlanta was a reconfiguration. Like they changed the entire way of how you drive that track. The way you drive Phoenix is still pretty much the same, except where you start and end your lap. I don't know. Anyway, that's what I have to say about that. It was overall, it was a very good race. I was impressed and I was, I was entertained. I think you got to chalk it up to a win for low down force. For low sure. down force is great. Everybody, everybody on Twitter, like after the race, immediately drivers, fans, journalists, didn't matter who it was. Engineers, everybody saying low down force, high horsepower is what everybody wants. Everybody likes that. I'm the same. I've wanted that for a long time. I want the cars to be going fast again. I want to see cars, you know, break speed records at certain racetracks. 
But also, I want to see make, see the cars be difficult to drive. I don't like when they're sucked to the ground like that. I like it when it's harder to drive because yeah. then that's how the cream rises to the top. Why did you, we see most of the drivers that were up, up front were past champions? Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski. I mean, guys that are tr- Kevin Harvick, guys that are truly at the top of their game. And even Jimmy Johnson was looking really good out there. But guys that, you know, have really good success with the cars are sucked down to the ground. They're not doing so well. And I think that's that's what people want to see. That's what I want to see, at least. Clean yeah, rising and, to the top. Yeah, and you got... It was a really good combination. You had the good tire wear, low downforce. Um, you know, if NASCAR is set on having 550 horsepower, you have to have low downforce. You have to have low downforce. Um, and you need to have tire wear. You need to make these cars difficult to drive and not suck to the ground, as you, as you, as you put it. Um, again, I enjoyed the race. I loved it. Um, I loved every minute of it. And even when the long green flag stretches, there was stuff going on around, around the track. Uh, we had guys getting loose, getting in the wall. You know, it, it reminded me of a race 15 years ago. And while it may not be an exact duplicate of one, uh, and the way everything played out inside the race cars and played out on, on the track, it was very enjoyable for me to watch. Um, for uh, you know, and the Tyler Reddick point, man, I did not think he'd be running this good, but he has had a couple races now here where, or three races really, where he has ran up front, um, and where we thought Christopher Bell and Cole Custer would be running a little better. I thought uh, I thought I thought they would both be running better. Um, I definitely did. I'm frustrated that I can't say I'm frustrated that they're not because I also kind of expected it. I expected them to probably struggle in the first four races, and definitely that's kind of what's happening. And I expected that. You know, I mean, as I've said for a long time, it is a difficult transition to go from the Xfinity series to the Cup series. Now, way back when when they use basically the exact same type of car and just had different horsepower, that was that. I mean, yeah, they had a few different rules here and there, but for the most part, the engine's horsepower was different, and that was it. I mean, two cars were the same. I mean, you could take an old cup car and go run bush races. I mean, there was nothing wrong with that. Go run nationwide races, whatever. There was absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now you can't do that. So teams, so young drivers, they get to the Cup Series, they got to relearn the whole experience all over again because they were just used to driving the Xfinity Series cars, which admittedly have a heck of a lot less downforce than the Cup cars do, and they're actually a lot faster than the Cup cars now. You have, you have to adjust. You literally have to go into a totally different state of mind, and it's just not going to be easy for some of those drivers. And I don't think the, the Cup car suits Christopher Bell very well. Christopher Bell is not necessarily a guy who's used to driving a car that's sucked to the ground. He's used to driving a car that's barely hanging on. And I think that's probably, it's, it's taken him a while to address. Tyler Reddick, I think he has a whole ton of raw talent still that's developing. And that's why he's able to learn the new car maybe a little bit faster than the rest, but I'm sure the rest will start to learn it. You know, I, even John Hunter Nemechek started, has started to learn it a lot. Um, I mean, he did very well in this couple of races last season. Uh, you know, Cole Custer is is not great, but he's he's pretty average, which is just about where I pictured him. You know, I didn't really expect him to go out there and set the world on fire. I kind of expect him to be pretty average for the first part of the season. So in terms of rookies, you know, 
obviously Tyler Reddick is 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 looked on Sunday to be the clear favorite in rookie of the year, but you know, we're four races into a 34-36 race schedule. Anything can happen between now and in November. Yeah, well, with that, we'll take we'll, we'll, we'll end the takeaways discussion. We'll move on to the upshift downshift segment. Remember, upshift if you agree, downshift if you disagree. And we're going to go out of order here because you hinted on it a little bit. So after watching the Fan Shell 500 on Sunday, do you upshift or downshift Phoenix Raceway as the 2020 and potentially the 2021 championship four race? As good as it is, I still downshift on it because I think Homestead was still and always will be the better choice to hold a finale race. But I can't say I'm upset about it anymore. I mean, I'm just kind of content with it. I still downshift because I don't think that it's... I I think that NASCAR could pick a better place, but I'm not necessarily going to outright say, oh, it's terrible. It's not like we're finishing the race at like a place that is really hard to pass on you know at least we're not finishing it you know at, at, at michigan while running a high downforce package you know or a high drag package then it's just impossible to pass anybody and who cares you know what i mean yeah. you know we're, we're ending it on a short track which i think kind of adds to some drama you know ending ending anything on a short track any ending any series on a short track is always going to be interesting and people say, ask whether or not Phoenix is a short track. I mean, it, it is, but it isn't. I mean, it's not a fast speedway, but it's also not like a place where you need to beat and bang to get around. It's 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 just kind of like a in between kind of track, if you know what I mean. It's kind of like a a, a Rockingham of sorts, where it didn't really fit a category. It's just kind of its own thing. You know what I mean? Well, I, I upshift. I, I, I've said this time and time again. I think we need to rotate the season finale. I do. Um, uh, we had great passing. We had great restarts. The restarts were exciting. The racing. Said race last year wasn't the greatest in the world and have been the greatest. The research are fantastic. You're able to Hold go on, wide. Jeff, cut out just a little bit there. Can you repeat what you just said? What you just said? Yeah. Yeah. So the you know I upshift the the restarts were exciting. The racing was all around even throughout the entirety of a run. Are you going to have 15 passes a lap? No, but you didn't have that from from Homestead either. Um, I like that the. Uh, the package worked well. This experiment worked well. And I didn't think the, the Homestead race of the past few years were that great either. Um, you know, they weren't bad, but they weren't great. They weren't fantastic. But And I agree that they should rotate the season finale. So for me, I upshift. I like it. Um, so for the next one here, we'll go ahead and duck on back to the ARCA Menard Series. NASCAR got their first taste of the modified pit stop in that race on Friday night. Uh, on restart with 11 to go, many cars challenge race officials for their uh, starting restarting position, going three and four wide behind the pace car. Uh, do you upshift or downshift the new uh, pitting under caution format, which to remind everyone, you don't lose positions if you when you pit unless people stay out. You know, you come in, the fir- you're the first car that comes in, you're the first car that's going to go out basically uh, and line up unless people s- – Again, stay out, and if you want to take four tires, you have to come back in again. So do you upshift or downshift this format? 
for the lower divisions? Well, I mean, it's it's just been one race, so I don't really know if it's a. I'm kind of neutral on it right now. I'm going to shift into neutral if I'm if I can, because I really just don't know. I don't really have an opinion. I've seen it happen once, and you know, the one time when it happened, it was kind of just a complete disaster. You know, if it happens again and I watch it and it's more streamlined and everything gets worked out and I keep watching it. I'm sure I'm sure by then I'll probably have a more firm answer for you but right now it's it's hard to say it's hard to really form an opinion on it because the only time I've seen it it's been kind of a disaster and I but I don't want to downshift on it because I don't want to immediately say that after one race and one uh ex- one try with this it's it's bad when it, I don't think that's the case. Well yeah, I agree 100% neutral um Again, we talked about it. You know, was it gaming the system or was it confusion? You know, NASCAR and and their officials might go back and say, "Okay, could we have explained this better? Was there was there a way we could convey? Hey, this is what we're doing. Is there a procedure we can do uh, um, do better during the process?" Uh, One thing I noticed didn't really notice it in the Arcus uh, side of the of the weekend, but in the Cup side. You had guys exiting pit road and, and like coming out midway through the rest of the field passing and going by pit exit because you're shortcutting. Um, so was it an issue at the track, you know, when the procedures are going there, or was it, you know, a complete explanation? So for me, I neutral as well. Um, we'll see how it works out later. Uh, Adam Stern tweeted yesterday, Monday, that uh, NASCAR is no longer expecting to release the full 2021 NASCAR Cup Series schedule in April, but there is a possibility details will be revealed that month. Uh, do you upshift or downshift on this revelation on NASCAR basically missing their own deadline? Well, I think it doesn't matter if they miss their own deadline. I mean, people want to know when certain things are going to be out. And sometimes you just have to throw out a, you know, a date just to appease everybody. You don't necessarily have to make the, you know, make the deadline. It's it's your own deadline. If you make it, you you can meet it if or, or not meet it. It's up to you, depending on how far along something's come. So really, I don't care. Uh, so I'm I, I don't care. I guess is my my point. Uh, I think that NASCAR just needs to take their time and do it right and get the right tracks. I will say a few things though. There's a few notes about this that I want to talk about real quick that I will say. Uh, number one, I understand NASCAR really wants to go back to short tracks, but there's way other short tracks that you need to be going back to and taking a look at instead of Iowa. And the reason why I say this is because what we really need is more Xfinity and truck exclusive tracks, not tracks where everyone goes to. And I know NASCAR, they really seem, oh, we want to put Iowa on the cup schedule. We want to go to I. Why? Why do you really want to go to Iowa? Is it because there's more money there? Or do you just really want to have another triple header weekend? I, I, really, you don't need... You need more standalone Xfinity and truck races. You need at least more tr- standalone truck races. At least. And make those on shorter tracks so that it's cheaper to go to and create... A, and create, uh, you know, make money and things like that. Not necessarily make money, but it's cheaper to go to and compete uh, and make your name... I, I just, that's my biggest worry, is that NASCAR is going to do something. Because, look, trim the schedule, 
if you must. Like I said, 32 to 34 races is still an acceptable number. If you want to trim it to 32 races, I'm not going to be upset. But when we're trimming more than that, that's when I'm starting to get concerned because we still need to make sure that we've got a decent amount of tracks. We've still got to make sure that this series goes a decent amount of time. I don't want to be pulling an IndyCar here or like whatever basketball is trying to do where they're like, we're not going to compete with the NFL. Stop it. Stop it. You're just admitting that the NFL will always beat you. Like, that is that is ridiculous. You are admitting admitting defeat. That you saying, we can't compete with the NFL. Our sport's not popular enough. Why are, t- why are they doing that? Why is the NBA saying that? Why is IndyCar saying that? They shouldn't be saying that. You should be trying to say, no, our fans are more diehards, and our fans are going to watch our races regardless. Our fans are going to watch our games. They're going to watch our races regardless of when they happen. You know, NASCAR needs to end in November. I'm sorry. NASCAR needs to end in November. I don't care when it is, but it needs to end in November. And it needs to start in February. If it's not far- starting in February and ending in November, I- I- you're just, I-, I don't even, I don't even know what to do. I- it just seems wrong at that point. And another thing is there are certain races that need two dates and there are certain races that don't need two dates. And I could tell you a ton of races that don't need two dates. And I can tell you a ton of races that do need them. I can tell you that Kansas needs one of its dates cut. And I can tell you that Atlanta needs a second date. Because what they were doing to Atlanta is still sick, I think. Like, they're they're moving the dates around. They gave them this terrible date. Now they give them a better date. But then that's it for the rest of the season. And we're talking about what was once one of the most popular races on the schedule. One of the most popular racetracks. One of the most famous racetracks. You have Chase Elliott back in NASCAR. You have an Elliott racing in NASCAR again. I think the Georgian fans deserve to have a second Atlanta race because they have they had been able to support one for so long. They should still be able to support one for years to come. Kansas, on the other hand, why? Why? It doesn't need a second race. It could barely support one at this point. I'm sorry. I went on a fucking completely different tangent, but that's how I feel about the NASCAR schedule. I am very, very concerned that they are going to screw this up. There is sticking to tradition, and then there is just going completely off the off the radar. And I don't want them to. I they they need to stay somewhere in between. They can't be going completely off the radar, but they also can't ignore tradition. They need to remember that there are still going to be a lot of NASCAR fans that are not going to like a lot of change. And I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I'm completely closed off to the idea of change, but it needs to be change that's actually beneficial and not change for the sake of, of uh, exposure in one area or for the sake of just appeasing to a certain group of fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it depends on, for me, you know, I want to get it right. So for me, I'm okay with them missing their deadline. Fans are probably going to downshift because they've been, they probably had April 1st and 2nd and 3rd circled on their calendar. Yeah, I would not want that to come out on April 1st. I wouldn't believe it. No, yeah, that would be bad. That would be a bad idea. But the, I, I, they're not going to cut races. I can tell you that right now because they're not going to lose, they don't want to lose TV money. So they're going to be 36 points races somewhere along the, along the way. You might have less than 38 weekends or currently now 37 for 38 races, but you're still going to have 36 races. Um, that's not going to be a problem. I agree with you. I don't want Iowa on the cup schedule. There's some, there's AAA markets and then there's the big boy markets And Iowa is not a big boy market um, based off of where other tracks are.
to try and invest money and stuff like that, then you'd better at least try and invest in the tracks that people really want back, that drivers really want back, especially Wilkesboro. Rockingham could be debatable because people might not show up, but I definitely think that people would show up to Wilkesboro. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and skip this next one. We're going to go ahead and move on to the feature race track because we're at an hour. And we got a, we got a, I got a lot to talk about here. We might see if I have to cut anything out here, but we got about 10, 15 minutes left here. I'm going to hurry this up here. All right. So this is Roller's featured racetrack of, for this, uh, fifth episode. Um, uh, we're going back to the inaugural Gander, uh, NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series again, the, the inaugural season for them. Uh, two weeks ago, we were at I 70. Uh, and this week, we're going to Tucson Speedway, formerly Tucson Raceway Park. So, um, Tucson Speedway is a 3 8 mile paved oval. Uh, it is uh, also one of only three paved ovals in the state of Arizona. The other two being Phoenix Raceway, which y'all know about. And then uh, ha- uh, Havasu 95 Speedway, which is near Lake Havasu City. Um, is located just the southeast side of, of Tucson uh, on Interstate 10, and there are a number of other racing facilities around the area too, which is uh, pretty cool. It's its own little motorsports complex, but not all of them are affiliated. Uh, the track opened in 1968 as Raven Speedway and was a clay oval from 1968 to 1992. In 1992, it was renamed Tucson Raceway Park and was paved. It was at that time that NASCAR uh, took over operations of the track and placed former CEO Brian France in charge. Uh, so in the winter of uh, 1994 and 95, just before the inaugural NASCAR Super Truck season began, NASCAR ran seven exhibition races, um, and a total of uh, uh, four were ran uh, at Tucson itself. Uh, so one was a part of this exhibition deal, and then three of them were part of a winter heat series. Uh, so the first one was ran on September 24th, 1994, uh, the Super Truck Tucson 25. It was contested by uh, seven trucks, but only six actually ran in the race. Uh, seventh place finisher Mike Hurlbert did not start the race. Ron Hornaday Jr. won in the number 75 for Spears Motorsports, leading twice for 14 of the 25 laps. And then there were nine total lead changes. I think that's just crazy. For 25 laps, there's nine total lead changes. So P.J. Jones... Driving the number one for Vestar Motorsports led five laps. Gary Collins finished third, led one lap. Rick Corelli finished fourth, driving the number six for uh, Chess Round Racing. He led one lap. Craig Hortson, uh, Hortson, yeah, I'm going to go with Hortson on that one, finished <laughs> fifth. And Rob McCochran finished sixth. Both of them each led two laps. So uh, the first of the three winter heat, heat races uh, was ran on November 20th, 1994. Rick Corelli won that race, leading 107 of the 200 laps. P.J. Jones, Ron Hornaday Jr., Dirk Stevens, and Johnny Benson closed out the top five. Sammy Swindell, at the time he was a two-time Ward of Outlaw Sprint Car champion. Uh, later, he would win a third one. He finished seventh in the number 38 for Atkins Sutton Motorsports, uh, and he would later compete full-time in 1995 for that very same team. Uh, and then eventual... 1995 inaugural Truck Series champion Mike Skinner finished eighth. Robbie Gordon finished second to last and 15th, driving the number 06 for Jim Smith in that race. Second Winter Heat Series race was contested contested on December 11th, 1994. P.J. Jones uh, won leading only 23 of the 200 laps. Ron Hornaday, Mike Skinner, Rick Corelli, and Mike Chase rounded out the top five. 
Ken Schrader finished 10th, driving the number 24 DuPont Automotive Finisher Chevrolet for Rick Hendrick. Scott Lagacy would eventually drive that truck full-time in 1995, for those of you who were curious. And then Jack Sprague took over the 24 in 1996. Um, and then uh, roughly just one month before the inaugural truck series season began, inaugural could be a drinking word in this in this featured racetrack this, this week. I should have gave everyone a warning on that one. But the final one was ran on January 1995. Mike Skinner won that race. Ryan Hornaday Jr. was in tow and second. Rick Corelli, Johnny Benson, and Gary Ballou finished third, fourth, and fifth. Tucson Raceway Park would host three NASCAR Truck Series races officially. Uh, one each year from 1995 to 1997. Uh, it served as the second ever race in April of 1995. Ron Hornaday Jr. won that race. His first of 51 career Truck Series victories. He drove the number 16 Action Diecast Chevrolet for Dale Earnhardt. In 1996, Mike Skinner went to victory lane at the number three GM Goodrich Services Chevrolet for Richard Childress and what was his ninth career win. Ron Hornaday Jr. repeated. He won, won the third and final race there at Tucson. This time he's in the number 16 uh, Napa Brake Chevrolet again for Dale Earnhardt. A total of 32 trucks competed in the Napa 200 that day, but 21 trucks failed to qualify or withdrew from that race, including Tammy Joe Kirk, Tony Roper, Steve Grissom, Terry Cook, and Lance Norick. Uh, Tucson served as the home of the TV program Winter Heat Series, which was a launching pad for many future stars, such as Greg Biffle, Kurt Busch, and Matt Crafton. It ran from 1994 to 1999. Uh, ISC sold the track in 2002 to Deary Sports West, who then sold it in two, uh, 2005 to Dan and Joyce Ruth, uh, who themselves again sold the track three years later to Mark Ebert. Uh, both those parties, the latter, uh, did a series of improvements to the track. Um, the track closed in 2010, but did reopen after receiving several upgrades in 2013 by new owner John Lash Lashley. Uh, it would rejoin the Wheel and All-American Series in 2014, which is kind of that national deal that NASCAR puts on. Uh, in 2015, it rejoined the K&N West uh, Series schedule, now the ARCA Menard Series West, uh, and ran a single race each year from 2015 to 2017, uh, but was upgraded to a doubleheader in 2018 and 2019, but sadly Tucson was not included in the 2020 Arca Menard Series West schedule. All right, so there is the Rollers Featured Racetrack for this fifth episode of the year. I liked um, it. Learned a lot. Anything from the inaugural Truck Series schedule is just A-plus in my book. Those stories are all, I bet, I can't imagine how awesome... Some people, so how awesome stories some people have of some of those early tracks. Oh, yes. And just that early years of the truck series, I'm fascinated with. Wish I knew more about. And anytime I get to learn more is, is pretty neat. So, what's in the windshield? We got a full slate of races this weekend, folks. Um, run to the grocery store on Thursday uh, or Friday because races are all on Saturday and Sunday. So, mm -hmm. make sure you run to the grocery store and stock up on food because you won't want to leave your house. Uh, the Arkham R Series East is at Five Flag Speedway on Saturday. Uh, last year, when the race was part of like the national division of Arca now, it was won by Michael Self. But this year, it's on the East schedule. Uh, on Sunday, uh, as Rob mentioned earlier, the 2020 Formula One World Championship and NTT IndyCar Series seasons begin. Uh, Valtteri Botas is the defending winner of the Australian Grand Prix, and Mercedes has won four of the past six races there. 
And Lewis Hamilton begins his pursuit of his record-tying seventh world championship and stands only seven Grand Prix victories away from tying Michael Schumacher for all-time wins in Formula One history. Definitely going to be, be broken this year, I, I think, for sure. Uh, and for the 10th straight year, IndyCar begins its season uh, in St. Petersburg, uh, which is the first of 17 races for the 2020 campaign. Joseph Newgarden is a defending winner there. And like Mercedes in Australia, Team Penske has been dominant of late there, winning seven of the last 11 races. So if you're a betting person, you might want to take Team Penske. Uh, on Saturday, it's a full slate of stock car racing. The Xfinity Series and Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series and the ARCA of Menard Series East Race, like I mentioned earlier for them. Um, the Truck Series races on early afternoon at Atlanta Motor Speedway, the Vet Ticks Camping World 200. Chase Elliott is going after the bounty as well as John Hunter Nemechek, too. Two now. He's eligible for the bounty as well to the, the two big ones uh, in the Truck Series going after the bounty set up by Kevin Harvick and Marcus Lamonis. And uh, by the way, Kevin, or excuse me, Kyle Busch is the defending race winner, and Toyota has w- won the past three races at Atlanta. So we'll see if either of them can break that. The Xfinity Series goes on directly after the Truck Series on Saturday, the Echo Park 250. My question, can a fifth different driver go to victory lane in race number five in 2020? I kind of want to see it happen. I do too. I kind of want to see it happen. And then finally, the Cup Series races the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at Atlanta. Brad Keselowski has won two of the past three. So maybe he can finally get things rolling. He's 10th in points right now, but maybe he can finally get things rolling with his new uh, crew chief pairing there. So with that, Rob, unless you got anything else to say, I'm going to call it a, I'm going to call it a show. I think that sounds like a good idea. It's time. All righty. Well, Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. If you're returning, glad to have you back. If you're a first time listener, Hope you enjoyed. We hope you hear you uh, back again with us next week on Twitter. Make sure you follow us so you know when what we're talking about, what we're what we're retweeting and quoting and whatnot and favoriting, as well as when we post a new show. Rob is at R Peters thirty three. That's R P E E T E R S three three. Myself, I'm at Roller underscore zero one R O L L E R underscore. Zero one, and then the podcast Twitter is Robin Roller, just as it sounds. Um, follow us; you can see when we post the next new show. So, for Rob Peters, I'm Josh Roller, and this was the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a good one, everyone.